0: Joining us right now is somebody I got to know about three years ago down in Bradenton, Florida, and we've kept in touch uh, when uh, the spirit moves us, and uh, the passing of Bruce Keeson gave us a uh, reason to reconnect, and I'm joined now by Joe Schuda of twominuteto.com. Joe, how are you, my friend?
1: Good morning. Good. Great to talk to you again.
0: Yeah, you're on with myself uh, and Craig Heist. So, uh,
1: How you doing, Joe? Hey, Craig. How are you? Good. Beautiful day here in Central PA. Hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, we've gotten to know Bruce Keeson over the last like, 10 years or so because he's been uh, uh, maybe 15 years as he was a pitching coach for the Orioles. He's been a scout, advanced scout, and now we get the sad news uh, two weeks ago that he passed away at the age of what, just 68 years old, Joe?
1: Yeah, 68. As a matter of fact, right at this moment, there's a service being held in Bradenton, Florida, and uh, this week I spoke to some of his former teammates. As a matter of fact, uh, Jim Rooker, Steve Nicosia, Phil Garner, and um, Rooker and Nakosha are currently at that service, and a lot of other guys are expected to be there. Well,
0: what, was the, what was sort of the consensus thought about Bruce Keeson, the person? when you talk to these people?
1: Well, well, the thing, first of all, is if, if those of us in the media, in dealings with him, he, he was as blunt and businesslike as his approach to pitching. Uh, Bruce was not, was not a, no, non, he's a no-nonsense kind of guy. He wasn't one of these guys you'd probably walk up to and just uh, chit-chat with him. Right. And uh, he was very businesslike, very analytical. And when I spoke to Jim Rooker the other day, who was probably his best friend, Uh, told me the fact that uh, he would just, during games, just analyze everything. And he also felt, as you probably know as an Orioles fan, uh, that the inside and outside of the plate belonged to him.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I I saw or I actually heard a story coming in, uh, driving in this morning where uh, he had told uh, uh, somebody within baseball that there was a game where he had hit – seven people in one game in the minor league. <laughs> and would he brag and, about and, that? And that's one of the things he did. He said, you know, he said, I wasn't backing down from anybody.
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. Matter of fact, Jim Rucker told me that uh, uh, several times he would say, okay, looks like tomorrow we're going to play dodgeball.
0: Right, exactly. Hey, uh, Joe, one of the things um, you pointed out to me, uh, and you've, you, you put it on one of your two-minute tos, um, two-minute timeouts. Was he almost wore? He almost wore as a badge of honor the fact that he wasn't one of the baseball privileged that were kind of spoon-fed getting to the major leagues. That that going through the hard knocks of getting there uh, toughened him, and and it was a difference for him, wasn't it?
1: Absolutely, and. Uh... You know, when you say old school, everyone says, well, this guy's old school. No, Bruce Keeson was old school, and he just felt that anyone who disrespected the game, he really had no time for them. Um, You know, and by the way, you guys probably all saw the uh, picture about the time Mike Schmidt charged the mound. Mm -hmm. Well, what's interesting that Jim Rooker told me that maybe very few people know is that after the game, now Bruce was not thrown out. Mike Schmidt was thrown out of the game for that. After the game, Bruce Keeson, by himself, went to the Phillies' clubhouse. Imagine this. Not with an entourage. Right. Went in, walked up to Mike Schmidt and said, you know, this is just the way it goes, but, you know, I really respect you for what you did for coming out at me. And that was it. Imagine that, walking that in is by pretty. himself. He didn't tell anybody he was doing that. He went over and did it himself. That, that is an amazing. That's, and that's an amazing
2: story. That is something you would never see in today's game, for sure.
1: No, absolutely. One and then f- uh, Steve, Steve the coach had told me one time in Houston, uh, the same situation happened. He hit the – uh matter of fact, Craig Reynolds the next day was the first batter hit him. The following day at the batting cage, Bruce went up and said, uh, Craig, uh, you're just a victim of circumstance.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, that's exa- well, you know what? As an Oriole, as a guy grew up rooting for the Orioles uh, – He was always a thorn in my side. Well, because of those uh, World Series. Of of the two World Series, 71 and 79. And the one in 79, I remember even more so because he played such a valuable role uh, in in that World Series for the Pirates and and enabled them really to. One of the main reasons that they were able to come back from 3
1: 1 down and beat the Orioles. No, absolutely. A lot of injuries during his career. And. After he left the Pirates and went to the Angels, the free agent, had a lot of difficulties, a lot of injuries, didn't pitch well, offered to give his money back, Buffy Bavese of the Angels. This was, this was not one of those stories, like, I think I'll give my money back. He offered to give the money back, he his signing bonus, and it was refused. But th- that was not grandstanding on his behalf. He actually wanted to do that, felt he didn't deserve the money.
0: We're talking with Joe Shuda of Two Minute Timeout and you can uh, hear his terrific features on twominuteto.com. Uh Joe, the, the thing about Bruce, and I remember some odd trivia, like the first player to ever hit a home run in the Astrodome was Mickey Mantle. Uh, the, the home run that sailed, uh, Bill Mazeroski's home run in the 1960 World Series sailed over the head of Yogi Berra. Uh, I remember that, at forever, Bruce Keeson will have been the starting pitcher in the first night game in World Series baseball
2: history. Yeah, game, game four in seventy-one. Yeah. Yep.
1: Well, actually, guys, Luke Walker was a starter. He didn't pitch well. The Pirates are losing three nothing. And then you're right. Bruce he was the in. winning
0: pitch. He was the winning pitcher in the first night right. game.
1: Right. Okay. Exactly. Right. He was the winning pitcher. Absolutely. Let, let, let me tell you another another. Story See how about I remembered Bruce. all
0: those trivia? Now I got to go <laughs> back and study those things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let me tell you another story. He, he, when I interviewed him and I introduced myself and at the end of it, he said, you're from Altoona, the Altoona curve. He said, let me tell you a story. One time I was scouting up there and he said, I called them. He said, uh, and I had the, you know, the pass to, to be able to get in. And he said, somebody from the curve told people I was coming and the people were coming up asking for autographs, he said, that really irritates me. I was there to work as a scout, not to sign autographs.
2: Yeah.
0: He had uh, an interesting uh, part, part of what you sent me, and I don't know if it was specifically part of one of your two-minute T.O.'s, was about his attitude toward autographs, that he had no problem giving fans that genuinely wanted his autograph, his autograph, as opposed to those that he had a sense that were coming up with five baseballs that were going to sell those baseballs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Another story, uh, Jim Rucker told me they would uh, annually go to a golf tournament, which was in Wilmington, um, North Carolina, and they would ride together. And Bruce said, they want me to write a book. And apparently people got together, asked him to write a book about pitching. And Jim said, "Great idea," because he was very analytical. And Bruce said, "Why would I write something that would teach somebody something when they should learn it on their own? I'm not doing it." Wow!
2: Wow! How about that?
0: He, he was a rare—he was a rare bird, and I know the Orioles were very uh, fond of him. And I know they're quite, you know, upset that they've lost one of the, one of the people they consider their own of most recent vintage. Um, He's sixty-eight years of age. Do do you know? Uh, did you know him well enough to know why he retired at that that
1: young an age? No, I really didn't. Jim told me that he just got to the point of sixty-eight where he wanted to spend just you know more time. You know, he loved he loved the fish. Uh, you know, a, a private individual. Again, as I said, that uh, I think he just felt that was enough time in baseball because he really. Spent about 50 years in baseball, so no, I really don't know that. I promised those guys uh, Rooker and the Kosher that I'm going to talk to them next week again. Phil Garner uh, about him a little more. As a matter of fact, Jim Rooker, one of the things he told me about, and I guess I'm patting myself on the back about the two-minute timeout, was that his wife was looking up some things online and found that, and several guys uh, called me and said that you know they they were crying listening to that because that was Bruce. Yeah, so that was Bruce, one hundred percent. You know these guys today don't respect the game, and the whole thing about autographs and whatever. And uh, so it, it, it's really it is sad that somebody retired in December and had passed away within six months.
2: And I yeah. and I think I think really that a lot of people don't understand. Just you know, you mentioned Bruce Keeson's name, just how good a pitcher he was. I mean, one hundred and fifteen and eighty-eight lifetime, and a three-six-six ERA lifetime, and that. That plays at the major league level.
1: <laughs> he was yeah, he was, and once he, again, you know, I asked Jim Rooker. I said, "Well, when he said that I own the inside and outside of the plate, I mean, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense." He said, "Yeah, but that's that was his attitude." And I guess that you know, all of us in life, if we feel that uh, you know this is my right, and uh, this is what I'm going to do, and that was Bruce's attitude.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's also it's also kind of a a. a um, what am I trying to say? It's kind of like a mantra that if it really what it's really saying is if I can own that inside by scaring you, I'm going to own the outside. And it, he was an intimidator. Uh, he might not have looked like the most intimidating guy, but the way he came at you, a little three-quarter to sidearm, he, he really could control both sides of the plate. He's one of those unique guys.
1: When it came to, uh, you know, brushing guys back, uh, he told somebody one time, you know, if you can't uh, taste your own blood once in a while, you're not a man.
2: <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, that's,
0: that's I, a good... Uh... I, Joe, I love the story. The Mike Schmidt story was a, a terrific story.
1: Uh, uh, well, really was. The, the, the thing Jim Rooker told me that is that someone came to him and said, you're not going to believe this where Bruce Keeson is right now. And he said, what do you mean where he is? He said, he went over to the Phillies clubhouse and he said... In about a minute or two, he said, guys, you know what happened? And then Bruce, here comes Bruce back into the Pirates Clubhouse. So, you know, guys were thinking, you know, he's in trouble going over there. But he, he did it and came back. Never ask anybody for any help.
0: That would make a good two-minute T.O. for you to try and call the Phillies and see if you get in touch with Schmidt to talk about that. That's a very cool story.
1: Very cool and, story. And you know what happened, by the way, when he hit Schmidt, Schmidt stepped out of the box and said, next time that happens, I'm coming out there. And, and Bruce said, why wait?
2: <laughs> well, I know one thing. I, I got to know him a little bit while working with the Orioles, but uh, to this day I can't stand We Are Family, you know, the song, <laughs> and uh, the whole nine yards that went with that. And I was uh, I was a little guy when uh, uh, the Pirates won in seven games and two to one in that final game at Memorial Stadium uh, back in 71. But 79 is the one that sticks in my craw, uh, a little bit with a 3-1 lead, and uh, he was a very instrumental part of that team. No question about it.
1: Hey, so, so what are we saying, guys? We're saying that the the Pirates versus the Orioles, the Pirates are the hammer and the Orioles are the nail?
2: And and pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. We can't argue with well, that. Well, and the reason 79 sticks with me so much is the fact that the Orioles had a 3-1 lead with Game 5 in Pittsburgh, Mike Flanagan, Game 6 in Baltimore, Palmer. Jim Palmer and, and then Scott McGregor in, in game yeah. seven, right? Yeah.
0: I was at the uh, 79 World Series. I went to a game of the 71 series in Baltimore, but I went to, to the Friday night and the Saturday game in Pittsburgh in 79 and had tickets for the Sunday game. And my buddy and I, Steve Fetter, and I said, Do, do we want to go to this game or do we want to drive back and be in Baltimore to celebrate on the streets of Baltimore tonight? And we drove back about 9 o'clock in the morning to watch that game, which I think started, wasn't that
2: a late afternoon game? I don't know, but, yes, Joe, Joe, this explains everything to me now as to why the Orioles lost that series. Yeah, jinxed them, of jinxed course. The jinxed hell them. out of them.
0: <laughs> hey, Joe, many thanks for coming on to share some thoughts and remembrances about uh, a really good guy uh, that, that went too soon, Bruce Keeson. Thank you, Joe.